De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to talk about cryptocurrencies with the best growth potential and how to build a brand in Web3. Joining us is Lauren Gruski, the Chief Revenue Officer at Permission.io, the leading provider of permission-based Web3 advertising. The company has created the ASK coin, a tokenized reward that empowers consumers to opt in, own and monetize their data while delivering engaged audiences to marketers. Advertisers reward consumers with ASK for interacting with brands and content, building loyalty and trust. And today, Lauren and I are going to discuss using crypto to drive growth. Okay, here's my conversation with Lauren Gruski, the Chief Revenue Officer at Permission.io. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So great to be here. Well, it's good to have you on. And I have to say, this is not a topic we cover often. I think much of the cryptocurrency movement is considered to be sort of the land of the speculative. And to see it become integrated into a core value prop for a business, for a platform is really interesting. And I, I want to start there, Lauren. Talk to me about using crypto to nudge consumer or customer behavior in a favorable direction for marketers. How does that work? Sure, absolutely. Well, crypto is essentially another form of currency, the same way that historically we used to exchange seashells, in some cases tulips, and things essentially of value are exchanged. And so in this way, cryptocurrency is a currency of value. And in our case, and at Permission.io, in a Web3 world where there's consumer sovereignty over their data and over their time and attention and trust built into that, we see a world where consumers are actually rewarded in cryptocurrency for their time, attention, and data. And at Permission, we have our own cryptocurrency that is the ticker ASK, ask. So it's very fitting around brands must ask permission. Okay, interesting. So where did this idea come from? I'm curious. I I know, Lauren, you're not the founder of the company, but the origin story has got to be pretty close. Where did this idea come from to actually use cryptocurrency to, to drive behavior? Yeah, well, a couple things. One is that on the permission marketing side, permission marketing is not old. It's been around for quite some time. In fact, Seth Godin wrote a very famous book titled Permission Marketing. And so the idea of having a consumer tell you what they want in terms of marketing as a way of a marketer collaborating with a consumer. And that way you're building trust and the consumer's opting in to a relationship with your brand versus being overloaded, distracted, interrupted, all of that sort of thing. So permission marketing is not old. It's been around for a very long time. In terms of the cryptocurrency side, it's really as we move to a more decentralized model in the way that currency essentially is exchanged, 
cryptocurrency is becoming a viable source of currency. And so in this way, it's a way for users to essentially, instead of having to take the risk of investing in cryptocurrency, they can earn from their data and they can get involved with easy on-ramps into crypto for also users who may not be technically savvy, that they're not even really sure how to open a wallet. We do all of that for them. And then we empower the user to develop a relationship with a brand that goes beyond just an advertising model, but is really an opt-in exchange model. And what's the typical use case for a brand and how are they using the service with that use case? You know, what's really interesting is for a long time, consumers have had their data exploited. If we look at, you know, essentially what's happened in Web 2, many of the big platforms and and trade desks and, and, and platforms that are essentially programmatic ad platforms, which means they pretty much just deliver ads to all of the places on the web where any any old website or mobile app But essentially, they've kind of taken the user data and then brokered that data off in a number of different ways where the consumer has really no control. And in order to be on the platform, they have to opt into their data exploitation. So that for a long time for my consumer, they had no power. And then along came regulation like GDPR, which sort of started to have brands become accountable for informing the consumer, but they were still very much using the same tactics. It was just more information to the consumer. And we've seen more regulation come along and that will take place. And then what really happened to transform the industry is Apple made a significant change where essentially they said apps must ask permission. And so we now see when we open an app, it asks you, do you want this app to track you? And it's called an app tracking transparency prompt, ATT. You may hear it in the industry. And so what we also saw is that what that meant was that your unique device, that device ID that tied back to you as an individual could no longer just be shared back to these platforms. Now, what was the implication? Your data is protected a bit more, but also we saw Facebook post a massive loss last quarter because of the fact that they didn't have access to this data. We see the cost of advertising skyrocketing nearly 30% if we look at marketers who are looking at cost for acquisition marketing. So I set all of this up to say that there's a huge challenge in the industry right now with what we call first-party data or zero-party data. So that's the direct data that is shared with an advertiser that's personal identifiable information. It's deemed PII in the industry. And so what we do is we help advertisers compliantly capture data from users and transparently share with them that they're going to use this data to market to them and in exchange get cryptocurrency as a reward. And so it creates this really unique relationship between the consumer and serves a big need for the advertiser to be able to capture data as well. So we're recognizing here that consumers have become educated enough to understand that things aren't free. In other words, there's this fairly consistent, constant trading of data for free access to, in this case, let's say Google or Facebook or whatever dominant platform we're talking about. So you guys really are depending on that understanding and the consciousness of that for the average consumer to say, look, guys, instead of that trade, what we're going to do is offer up cryptocurrency as a way of saying, yes, we can continue to advertise to you. That's really the core of you guys are doing. Yes, I will say you're absolutely correct. And to add to it, it's also what data do you want to share with the advertiser? So potentially you're a shoe marketer who cares also to understand what your customer's favorite sport is, or potentially you want to get 
some information about where they live, their, their geolocation. So in this case, you're actually opting into the amount of data also that you want to share with an advertiser. It could just be an email address and that's where it starts and stops for you. So we're not tracking your behavior to then pass that off to an advertiser and reward you in a currency. You're actually, as the consumer, sharing only what you want to share with that advertiser. And that's a distinction as well. Interesting. All right. So now I've got to understand the the foundations of this, Lauren. You're in trouble. I'm so sorry. I've got to fire away a bunch of questions here because this is going to kill me if I don't ask them. So the first thing is talk to me about the challenge of branding or representing your own cryptocurrency, because end of the day, as much as the value prop is compelling for brands, that cryptocurrency has to at least be understood by the consumer for them to go, yes. Or are you guys in a spot where it's like cryptocurrency good? I'm going to give it a go. In other words, you're not really depending on knowledge about ask or branding behind ask. Tell me about how that aspect of the business works for you guys. Yeah, look, it's a both and. And of course, right now, cryptocurrency, you know, if you would have asked me three weeks ago, I would have said cryptocurrency is on the rise and everyone can't wait to get involved. And, you know, we've seen more activations this year and it was called the crypto bowl instead of the super bowl. And, then fast forward three weeks later, and we're in what we're calling a crypto winter, which means, you know, because of what's taking place on the macroeconomic scale, crypto is also impacted. So there's some of also, just if we like break down crypto just for a moment, there's a lot of consumer education with crypto as a currency beyond just our own currency that has to take place in the industry. And so there's a, a lot of work that we're doing around not only educating the consumer around cryptocurrency and what it means for them, but we also remove the risk. Like I mentioned before, we're not asking them to exchange a dollar for a cryptocurrency. So there's a very low barrier of risk for them to get involved essentially. So that helps us with our distribution of our token and our ability to garner user data in exchange for cryptocurrency. And I, I think a couple of things as well, if we just take a moment to talk about kind of the macroeconomics, even though Bitcoin fell to its 18th month lowest, it is still 73% more profitable than major investments like SAP 500, gold, Dow Jones. And so most consumers don't know that though. That's the reality. And so there is a bit of education, as I mentioned before, on the crypto market in general and what that means, and then also what it means to have our currency. So on our currency side, we do have user onboarding videos that says, wow, you've just opened your first wallet if they've never opened a wallet before. And so that helps them understand, like, what does that mean? What does it mean to have a digital wallet? And why is that relevant to me? And what else can I put in it? And how do I access it? So I'm sort of sharing with you, there isn't a user onboarding journey that we go through for those that have never been in this space before. And for those that have and have opened a wallet with us before, that's something that they can continue to earn the more that they engage with brands. But it's also a virtual cycle for you guys as well, isn't it? Ultimately, because as each new consumer, if you will, buys, and you can't see me guys, I'm using the old air quotes thing, but as each consumer has a transaction, you're actually increasing the value of the ask currency per transaction. So that's the flip side of this as well. On some level, you're, you're drafting off the very strong reputation of crypto. And by the way, five years ago, same thing. We had the crypto crash. And if you recall this as well, like there are these cycles. Consumers tend to hear people making a lot of money. Hopefully they're not going beanie babies. You remember these things from the, never oh, mind, you're probably too young. But, you know, these speculative oh. bubbles, they get them, they get pressed, right? But in this case, basically, you've created a virtuous model that actually every time somebody signs on, you send them currency, you increase the value of the currency. 
Of course. Yeah, that's the liquidity of our currency. Yes, of course. Awesome. It's a win-win. The consumer wins when our liquidity goes up because their currency value also goes up as well. And so it really is a win-win-win. And those are the core tenets of Web3, a world where everyone can win if we all are transparent around what's really going on here. And so we put that at the forefront of everything that we do and everything that we talk about with our users slash consumers, owners of our cryptocurrency, and also our advertising partners that we work with. Which is a great point to end this episode with, because I have to say, Lauren, so much of the current agita for the typical marketer, especially those that have a big digital component in their marketing mix, is this post-cookie world, right? We talked a bit about third-party versus first-party data. Folks, if you're not in the guts of this right now, it is a major disruptor for marketers. And understanding how to make these transitions is a big part of how most marketing organizations right now are thinking. And that really does bring us to Web3. And I'm interested to bring you back to learn a bit more about this, because I have to say, fairly new concept, even for those of us on the bleeding edge of marketing. So, Lauren, I really, really appreciate you spending some time with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. Fantastic. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Lauren Gruski, Chief Revenue Officer at Permission.io for joining us in part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Lauren and I are going to dig in and talk about educating legacy brands on Web3. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Lauren, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact her on Twitter, where her handle is at Lauren Gruski. That is Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, Gruski, G-R-I-E-W-S-K-I, or visit our company website at permission.io. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to revgenpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed on the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.